I'm Corey Francois. I'm Richie Suave Flores. And this is Sporty with Corey and Richie Suave. On the Hockey Podcast Network. What did I just listen to? Oh, this game. This game is this game is just bullshit now. Oh my gosh. I actually they actually make me feel uncomfortable. What was it? Panty what? The game has gone to bullshit. Panty melted? Why do we record these during the middle of games? Oh, God. Be sure to listen to Corey and I every Monday. We are your go-to source for the Arizona Coyotes on the Hockey Podcast Network. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. New episodes every Monday. Find them at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Rubber boots? What does that mean? another reason to talk about the Hurricanes, and this time it's because of something that they did on the ice during the game, which is cool. Nobody in Russia is named Craig. What's up, Hockey Podcast Network Sirens Sounder Podcast, Kane's coverage. Um, welcome back to it. Things happened. Woo! Hockey's back for real. Uh, and I'm not just talking about nothing to fill time for you guys for months. And uh, that's cool. I like that part. I like having things to to discuss and, uh, and conversate about. So the qualifiers uh, have started. You know that. Uh, unless you live under a rock, and if you live under a rock, I'm amazed that you have the technology to listen to this show right now, so kudos to you, um, and hopefully you pick up a little bit on what's going on in the world outside of rocks. Anyway, away from the nonsense, um, you probably heard at the top of the show, if you listen to the top of the show, um, which you should because like it's the first thing that plays when you hit play, so it'd be weird to just arbitrarily skip to a, a time in the middle of the episode and hit play, uh, but if you do listen to the beginning... You'll notice some of these um, some of these ads for uh, other shows on the network. the uh, The purpose of that, obviously, is to kind of put out there everything on the network. If you don't know, I mean, this show does stand alone on its own feed, so um, you might not even know exactly what the Hockey Podcast Network is. So, just to give you a little debrief on it, um, the network brings you. Uh, NHL shows, one one for each team in the league. Uh, right now, every team that's in the qualifying round um, will be putting out content weekly until the new season begins in October, um, and that season being the the, uh, the Hockey Podcast Network season, not the uh, NHL season, because obviously that's probably starting much later, um, but you'll get kind of that off-season coverage for every team once that starts back up. Um, and right now you get coverage for every team that has a... Uh, a team competing in the qualifiers. So uh, every Monday you get new episodes on every NHL team. Um, and then there's also shows that um, are not NHL team specific. Um, you heard last week the ad for the fourth line voice. Um, just cool, cool shows, you know, um, Tales with TR, uh, stuff like that. F- uh, former NHL players putting out content. It's cool. There's a lot of great people uh, affiliated and working for the network. You want to go check it out. So broaden your horizons. Check it out. TheHockeyPodcastNetwork.com will get you all your info. Um, You can also check out the Patreon for the Hockey Podcast Network. Um, We do a 
uh, Hockey Podcast Network After Dark every weekend, usually try to, um, where, you know, hosts from all kinds of different shows come on and it's a good time. Uh, it's a little harder for me to make those here on the good old East Coast because the boys doing it are are all on the West Coast. Um, so, you know, I will try my best to be part of one of those. Uh, but anyway, great content. And now that we got that out of the way, let's get into this this Kane's action. I know that's what you've been waiting for. Um, and isn't it nice to watch a game that matters and means something and it feels like it's been forever uh, and isn't it also a wild feeling to just jump right in and it's like playoff hockey? Um, you know, no, normally when we wait this long, um, it's, it's super anticipated that it's the start of a new season and it's like, yeah, we're just excited that hockey exists and it's the first game and like, we're just happy for anything, but you have to just ramp up to full intensity, you know, playoff, playoff audience. Um, and the hurricanes had no trouble doing that at all. I mean, that game was crazy um and we'll get into it here in just a moment um I don't really care to spend a ton of time talking about the exhibition game that happened against the Capitals uh the Wednesday before uh and and that being that you know it didn't count and it's not like it tells us what's going to happen in the next game we already know what happened in the next game um but some interesting lineup choices Brendan Moore is going to have to continue to make going forward I thought that um you know, the, the biggest choices he was going to have to make going forward into game one were who to start net, of course, uh, the battle between Peter Morozik and James Reimer. I did think for sure that James Reimer was the better goalie in uh, in the exhibition and coming in cold. I mean, he was there was no question about it. He was the better goalie. Uh, Peter played fine, uh, probably wants to get one of those back. Um, and, you know, it sucks that he had to go out getting scored on to, to end it. You know, the plan was always to get uh, Rhymes in about halfway through, so you'd rather that halfway point come after like a flurry of beautiful saves and then go out on top. Uh, but Peter's a pro. He can deal with it, and he's always been the guy in the playoffs for the Canes, you know, until he was injured last year, and then it was Curtis McElhaney. Um, here's the deal with, with these two guys. It's always going to be, I'm never going to be super worried about which one they want to throw in uh, because, to me, I've always looked at it like this. Peter is a more dynamic goalie. Um, he's going to give you higher highs and lower lows, um, and he'll be a little more inconsistent. But it's kind of a risk-reward. Like, if he's on, he's on, and he's going to be the better goalie, and he's going to be he's, he's that guy who can pump up the team with huge saves, and his aggressive style kind of lends itself to the way the team plays in general, I believe. Um, so that can be beneficial, and the team is obviously comfortable in front of him and comfortable in front of either one of these guys, which is great. Uh, James Reimer is more of a steady, solid rock in net. Um, he even, down to his play style, he plays a little deeper in his net. Um, he's kind of more a positional guy. Reflexes are good, but not quite to the level of a Morazic who's going to make that super flashy save when he might be a little out of position. But Reimer's going to be that kind of stay-at-home goalie who's uh, a calm presence. Much, It's very similar to the dynamic they had with uh, Morazic and McElhaney. And, and in the offseason last year, I even fielded some questions about this where um, people were asking, you know, what can we expect from James Reimer? And I had said, like, he's he's not as flashy of a guy like uh, Morazic is. I think that you're going to expect a lot of the same from last season when they had the McElhaney-Morazic duo. I think that this year it's been the same thing. Um, 
you know, and, and the, the good thing is when one of those guys is hot, you throw them in and, and, and roll with them. We saw that during the regular season when they both had their, their ups and downs. Uh, I thought that Reimer ended the regular season playing the better hockey, but Mrazik certainly able to hold his own at any moment. So it was going to be a tough decision. Um, I would have been fine with either one. I'm not surprised at all that they went with Mrazik. Just that's, um, it's, it's not on, it's, it's not a normal Brindamore thing to, if Mrazik has been the go-to starter, it's not a normal Brindamore thing to strip that from him unless the other guy is like playing out of his mind. And in one game, one, one exhibition game, like it's really nothing to go off of. I get it that, um, you know, one guy might've outplayed the other guy, but if you're going to make your decision for an entire series based off of one exhibition game, I know that there's nothing really else to draw off of, but there is. There's these guys' entire body of work. There's the, the season that did count. I mean, it did happen. Like, you watch them play. You, you got a feel for each guy. You want a bigger sample size to make that judgment call on. So while I think the exhibition game is a big part of making that decision, you know, obviously you don't want to rely solely on that half of a game for a guy. I mean, that's pretty risky to, to base it off of that because Reimer could have, I mean, it could have gone either way. Peter could have had a bad game and played way better, which I do think he played better against um, against the Rangers than he did the Caps. I mean, the, the Caps are also a much better team, so kind of expected there. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it's not it's not unheard of for a guy to have a really hot outing and then come out flat the next day. So goalies are so unpredictable. You just kind of go with the, the longer sample size with your judgments, and I think that Peter Morozik and Net is a fine decision. Um I will say that uh, I have no problem if James Reimer plays more because this environment with you know no fans and um, the energy in the building is just not the same, obviously. I think that that's something that Peter Morozik thrives off of, having that energy. So without it, um, a more calm guy like James Reimer might be able to take the scene. That was kind of my thought on it. Uh, but really, I'm fine. Either one of these guys, I have confidence in them, and the, and the way this kind of schedule is lined up, I think you're going to see both of them going into um, into next week's games here. Uh, we have a game today as this comes out and Tuesday, so uh, you'll likely see both of those guys in action one one way or the other. I would probably expect Morozik to, to start today, Monday, and uh, Reimer to start the next game, but uh, it could go either way. So uh, it's it's good that, that um, we've seen both these guys have good outings. Neither of them, I would say, have had a bad game, obviously, in the, in the two games <laughs> since this has started, so that's good. Um, but lineup choices to be made based off that game. I thought that uh, basically Morgan Geeky solidified his roster spot for the for game one uh, based on that exhibition play. He kind of picked up right where he left off, playing just that you know that grinding guy who can capitalize on some offensive chances. He had he had a chance. Um, you know he's he's strong in the puck. He's good on the forecheck. He's you don't really notice him in the neutral zone in the defensive end, and that's good. And you know why that is because you don't notice. You don't notice routine plays, but the being able to make every you know zone exit and neutral zone clear and everything like that a routine play is very difficult. So when you talk about these guys, we talk a lot about defensemen like this, like Brett Pesci is a guy that you don't often notice for large stretches of the game. And the reason is, is because he's locking it down, doing his job, and it's not a sexy job. Like it's, you know, getting pucks out of your end isn't a amazing highlight real thing but when you do it consistently every single time perfectly it goes unnoticed because it's just like a pass up the ice but the the fact that you're doing that is is incredibly valuable so Morgan Geeky brings that to the table um Vincent Trocek has been on fire and we'll t- we'll get to him 
when we go over the uh, Rangers game here. But really, from the exhibition game, not much you can draw. Obviously, Rod was going to have to make a decision with his forwards. Uh, Martin Natchez was able to jump into the action, so I don't think that's a guy you sit, obviously, because of his um, offensive ability, uh, just being a dynamic player that he is. You know, that's someone you want and you need, especially against the Rangers, who like to play a little bit of an up-and-down game. And if you get into it, Natchez is the guy you're going to want on your roster, and we saw that pay off in Game 1. Um, so the decision he made to scratch Ryan Dezingle, um, was, you know, one that is fine. I mean, I think there was a, there was a, a few guys that could have or could not have gone into the lineup. And I don't think it would have been ultra surprising. I think Nino Niederreiter is one of those guys. Uh, Dezingle has been one of those guys now for a while. Um, Geeky could have been one of those guys, you know, um, Jordan Martin could have been one of those guys, but I, I love what he brings to that fourth line. I think it's ultra necessary for these games. Um, and games where you need to spark energy yourself. You know, the Hurricanes were able to capitalize off of that amazing crowd at PNC last year in the playoffs, and you don't get that this year, obviously. So having to to spark your own energy and create your own um, energetic environment with a big hit or just the way Jordan Martinuk plays, I mean, uh, he's just such an energetic guy, and that just leads to, I mean, it leads to chances and adrenaline pumps, and that just is good things. Uh, on your bench. So let's just get into the game because I know we're 13 minutes into this podcast and you're like, why haven't you talked about the game yet? Let's talk about it then. Um, I, uh, the, the start, I mean, what else can you ask for? If you didn't know, I mean, the, the Hurricanes played probably the most physical exhibition game against the Capitals out of all of them. Um, and they were slated for the first qualifier. Um, so the first real action in this return to play and man, it did not disappoint. It set the tone. <laughs> and just, wow. I mean, what else can you say? If you didn't get to see the first minute, like you already missed a lot. You missed um, Brady Shea delivering a just absolutely crushing and incredibly clean hit as well to Jesper Faust. Unfortunately, Jesper Faust was injured on the play and didn't come back. And we'll see if he's able to return uh, next game or for the next few games. You don't want to see that. But super clean hit by Brady Shea. You know, nothing he did. Um, he's just a big guy, you know, what, what can I say? Throwing his weight around against his former team, that's what you need. I, I wanted to see, you know, the guys come out ready to play and, and, and hot from the start, and the Hurricanes are usually pretty good about, and they were in the playoffs last year too, starting these playoff games with a lot of that intensity, and so um, that was great to see. You love that. And then what else can you ask for but for your first line to deliver with a beautiful a beautiful play. Aho gets the puck to Tara Vinen. That seam pass across to Jacob Slavin, who's cutting down in a perfect, you know, way, to, perfect time to pinch right there. Catches the uh, the New York defenseman, or I believe it was the the winger there. I don't remember exactly who it was, but he's watching the puck and uh, loses Slavin behind him. But j- such a great pass by Tara Vinen. Honestly, I don't think that even if he was face guarding Slavin, he would have been able to stop that pass from going tape to tape. It was it was such a great pass. And then Jacob Slavin does Jacob Slavin things, you know, most accurate player in the NHL, according to that all-star skills competition. And uh, Lundqvist got over on him, and he just roofed that baby back bar. Beautiful short side high, um, exactly the way you want to start that game, is the way the Hurricanes did. You know, if it, if, if it was scripted, it would be like, physical start, let's get a quick goal. Well, in the first play of the game, Brady Shea delivers probably the biggest hit of the game. Um, and then... In a minute in, your first shot of the game scores. So you can't really ask for much more. And um, when Henrik Lundqvist was announced as a starter, I think a lot of us were like, oh, no. 
I said I said to a lot of my friends, like, look, I know that Shesterkin is is a great goalie, um, and Hank has had his ups and downs, but this being the history these teams have had, I really do think that matters with goalies. It's the reason why those numbers tend to be so like undeniable. Like for example, Thomas Grice, for some reason, uh, against the Hurricanes when he was on the Islanders was always lights out. Always. Every time they played, lights out. Even when he was in a backup role, they would just start him against the Hurricanes. He had incredible numbers, and you just expected him to have a great game. Uh, for the playoffs, they didn't start him, and look what happened. Uh, like, not that Robin Leonard is a, not a very capable goalie. Of course he is. He's probably the better goalie. Um, I would say he is the better goalie, but uh, that history matters. There's a reason why that guy had such incredible numbers night after night after night after night. It wasn't just like he played the team three times. It was like 10 games of a sample. Like, you can't deny that. Um so Henrik Lundqvist, like you cannot deny the success he's had in like the last 15 starts. He he's lost like maybe one or two, and his save percentage is like nine five zero plus. I mean that is insane. Goals against around one point five. That's insane. Those numbers aren't a fluke, you know. Um, so I don't really care what kind of season you're having when you're. Sometimes that just goes down to this goalie style just matches up well against this this team style and and the shots that this team likes to take this goalie is able to handle and um you know he's a big guy the hurricanes sometimes have trouble getting traffic in front of goalies at times and Henrik Lundqvist is going to stop everything from distance that he sees and the hurricanes defense drives a lot of their offense so I think a lot of those factors go into it but I had said that if the Rangers start Shesterkin they will lose this series it's guaranteed I I, I was willing to guarantee that and so when I saw Henrik Lundqvist come out I thought well I think that's a step in the right direction for the Rangers, but uh, then seeing that Shesterkin was actually scratched for the game, um, very surprising. So not exactly sure what's going on there, whether it's a health concern or what, um, you know, an injury or or anything like that. Uh, But that was a surprise to me, so I would assume we'll see Lundqvist again in Game 2. And I thought that he played well. You know, he had a rough start, I thought. He probably turned the puck over about 400 times in the first period, um, which isn't ideal obviously and the Hurricanes got a few chances off of it um and you know he was giving up quite a few rebounds I thought that he had a little bit of trouble controlling some rebounds but then settled in and and just was the Henrik Lundqvist we're used to seeing um which was why it was so important to get on the board early and then um the second goal to get that insurance um so yeah there you go that's the start of the game so great the Hurricanes defense did a great job of keeping the Rangers just away in general Peter Morazic really wasn't busy through large portions of this game uh, in the second, well, also we can't skip over the fact that Justin Williams drops the gloves with Ryan Strom in the first five minutes. Uh, that was the most surprising part of the game to me. Hey, I'm sure it was to you as well. Um, but hey, you know, Mr. Game 7 in a five-game series, he's not going to get that Game 7. He's trying to make his impact. And uh, I guess you can do that by hitting Ryan Strom in the face, which he did connect solidly on one. I think that Strom got one in on Williams as well. Um, so, you know, unexpected fight, but Hey, you get the energy however you can. And, uh, I think that everybody was loving the first five minutes of that game. It, it, that first period felt like it lasted years because there was so much intensity packed into, uh, such a small span of time, but a great first period. I thought for the team, um, you know, obviously the offense got going, there was approximately 4,000 power plays and, and penalty kills in this game. And the hurricanes PK is a perfect seven for seven. <clears throat> the power play obviously 
gets them uh, a goal as well with the Ajo goal, and then essentially what was really a, a leftover from a power play chance uh, with the Natchez goal for the third one. But let's go through that uh, second period. Canes uh, continue to, to play fine. I mean, I, I, they didn't quite have the the uh, you know flurry of chances that they did to start the game. Of course, that kind of dwindles as both teams settle in, especially being that you know they've been off for so long. But uh, still, still maintaining pressure, still kind of reducing New York's chances in their own zone. The Rangers didn't have a whole lot of shots through two. Um, Morazic wasn't forced to really make any kind of non-routine saves throughout this entire game. I thought, which is which is the goal for your defense. So. Um, great job, you know, without Dougie Hamilton and still, of course, without Brett Pesci. Um, you'd love to see that. And I'll get into the D grading kind of the D's performance, uh, later on. But, uh, in the second period, you know, the myriad of special teams, I feel like this entire second period was special teams. Uh, there was a penalty called every minute, which, okay. I'm sorry. I got to take a break from the, from the, uh, the breakdown of the game here. What was going on with the audio? Like, can someone explain to me how how do you mess it up that bad? Like, why 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 was it backwards? How do you do that? It's not like it's not like when it's not like that can happen on its own. Is I guess what I'm trying to say. Somebody made that audio reverse. Like, you don't record into a microphone and it's backwards, and you're like, oh yeah, I got to reverse it so it sounds not, no. We're not demons. We don't speak in reverse. So, how does this happen? Listen to this. I mean, what? I don't know if you could hear that. Let's play it again. And if your initial reaction to that is, what? You would be correct, because what just happened? He literally speaks. What? How does that happen? That blew me away. It took me like twice. The first time I heard them announce something, I went, "What?" Actually, I think the first time that was in the exhibition game, by the way. But it, it kept happening in the uh, in the games. The rest of the games, I, I saw. I think the um, the Edmonton Chicago game. They were like Edmonton minor penalty. And he, I was like, "How do you you're reversing half of it now? Like, how is this happening?" Um, so I don't know whether that was like the arena thing or the broadcast or what was going on, but why are people speaking in reverse? Um, anyway, I don't remember quite, uh, where we were, but as you know, if you listen to the show for a little while, I get sidetracked and it's part of the fun. Um, so let's steer ourselves back on course. Um, special teams, the Hurricanes get the power play chance in the second, uh, one of the many power play chances they had. The power play looked good. Uh, generated plenty of shots and chances, got set up. Zone entries looked good. There wasn't a single power play where I just felt like this is a mess, and uh, that's great. You'd love to see that, as you know, as a Hurricanes fan, if you're listening to this most likely, um, that's kind of the norm, is there's at least one a game where you're like, what is going on here? Uh, where there's just not even a semblance of a zone entry. When they do get in, they turn it over, and it's out, and you're just like, all right, we're done. Um, so power play looked really good. Sammy Votnin. Uh, up there at the top, made some good plays. My man has an absolute bomb of a shot, which is useful um, without Dougie Hamilton in the lineup. Um, but anytime you put, you know, Tavo Teravine and Sebastian Ajo, guys like that, with space around them to create, I mean, it's probably going to end up pretty well. You're probably going to get a few chances, uh, especially if you can get some traffic out in front. I do like Ajo in that bumper position. 
in the middle. I think that he's a he's a good player for that. Um, which kudos to him. You know, uh, he's really become a guy who who does well in those tough areas of the ice, and I think a lot of people undervalue him. You know, along the boards, and I mean, he he had a few plays uh, defensively where he was phenomenal uh, behind the net. You know, doing his job as a center, digging pucks out. He straight up stole the puck from Artemi Panarin along the half boards um, during one of the Rangers power plays, I think, or on the tail end of one maybe. But uh, such a special player, so I like him in the middle of the ice. Tevo Teravainen obviously has great vision on the wing, and you saw that in the first goal with that pass across to Jacob Slavin. Uh, but on that power play goal, just a really good puck movement, get the puck to Svechnikov, and then Svech with the one-touch kind of slap pass toward the, the middle of the ice. He knows he's got Aho and Williams, but tape the tape on Aho's stick, and Aho, that's an easy finish for him. So uh, great to see that goal. That was definitely um, you know the, the nicest play of the game. To me, I don't know how you beat that with any of these other goals. Um, and the Canes are rolling. It's 2-0. Um, it's it's looking good. We head to the third. And uh, the Rangers get one. They hold the puck in for a little bit. Shot from the point. Mika Zibanejad, great job battling out in front. I mean, this guy's just a great player. You're, you're, you know, you, there's nothing really negative I could ever say about Zibanejad. He's, he's been a great player. He was fantastic during the regular season. And um, he was the best player on the Rangers, I thought. Um, so... There you go. He gets the tip out in front. Nothing Morata could do. You know, nothing really anybody could do except get in front of that shot or tie a stick up. But, um, you know, Zibanejad is is not just standing there, like, waiting for someone to defend him. He's actively trying to get free and everything. So you you got to give him the props for, you know, getting his stick free for that tip and just perfect placement. And uh, it is what it is. That's what happens. Um, you know, you're not going to shut everybody out, especially on those tips and deflections and, um, you know, both the goals that the Rangers scored were off of little deflections. So can't really fault anybody too crazy there, although uh, the Hurricanes did have a little bit of trouble at times getting the puck out of their zone, um, which is never great, but they minimized that, and I thought that was an important reason why, you know, they didn't get hurt by some of the Rangers' top-end talent because they didn't really give them a ton of opportunities, and you notice not a lot of odd-man rushes uh, typically when the Rangers were uh, leading the rush, the Hurricanes were back to defend and all sorts of stuff like that. So positive um, development there. As you know, the Hurricanes have had trouble giving up a lot of odd man rushes at different times. So maybe a team starting to settle in with some of their newer defensemen, um, which, uh, like I said, we'll get to their, um, their kind of uh, performances later on. Uh, and then... The Hurricanes get that third goal. The Natchez, um, you know, we'll call it basically a post-power play goal. Um, you know, great feet across. Just a Natchez bomb that happens to go off of, I believe it was Mark Stahl's skate and right between Henrik Lundqvist's legs. So sometimes you get lucky, but good puck movement and a willingness to get the puck to the net is what scores goals. So uh, good on Natchez coming back. He got he got tapped a few times in that game. Uh, it, those guys were out for him um you know big hit by Mark Stahl in the first which I thought was not a clean hit uh but whatever uh he left his feet I just don't understand especially these big guys like why are you leaving your feet first of all if you're above average size uh which a lot of people in the NHL are and you're leaving your feet on a guy that's smaller than you you're you're targeting the head I don't understand how you're not your intent is obviously to hit them higher than you know your your normal body level so that would be the head or neck area. Like, it's just not cool to leave your feet because, duh, so many reasons why it's dangerous. Uh, but I've always thought about this as, 
I used to chirp guys for this all the time, man. If you leave your feet on a hit, you just don't know how to hit straight up. I mean, you just don't know how to hit. That's not how you do it. And I can prove that because there are a million guys that can deliver, you know, bone crushing, very clean hits without leaving their feet by using proper mechanics. Like you saw Brady Shea do against Jesper Faust in the first 30 seconds of the game. That's how you hit somebody. Michael Furlan was another player who I looked at as a guy who was phenomenal delivering clean hits, never left his feet, always delivered, you know, huge hits. And all of them I ever saw, at least during his time as a hurricane, and I'm sure it was the same um, with his time on the Flames, were always clean hits. So those guys that leave their feet, I'm just like, you just, what are you doing? How, how have you made it this far and you don't know how to deliver a clean hit by staying on your feet? Like, you're Mark Stahl, dude. You're so much bigger than Natchez. You're so much bigger. You're also significantly slower, so I could see why you might need a little advantage to be able to hit the guy. But if you got him lined up, you got him lined up, there's no need to leave your feet. Now you're intending to injure him, you know? That's just not, it's not a, it's not a good thing. It shouldn't be praised at all, and honestly, it should be looked at as an amateur move when you leave your feet on a hit because, like, it's just, everyone knows that that's not how you do it. It would be like if you're in baseball pitching and, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of cheating to, to get more speed, but you're doing it wrong and it's actually hurting you, you know? Uh, so that's just not, <laughs> that's just not it. But it's, it's more so that, um, you know, leaving your feet is a safety issue. Like, it's, yeah, you might deliver a bigger hit that way, uh, but you might also give someone a brain injury. So don't do that. <laughs> And uh, you can deliver a hit not doing that. The same, the same intensity. So uh, I didn't quite understand why he needed to do that. But, you know, I think a lot of those aren't intentional. But just, you know, know how to hit. If you know how to hit well enough, you're never leaving your feet. Because it's muscle memory. And you just don't leave your feet. So when you're going for that open ice hit, when you get that excited and, and kind of, you know, get a hard on for the open ice hit, like, you just don't need to leave your feet, man. It's amateur. That's Bush League stuff. Um... Nate just got tagged by two guys through the penalty ice later in the game, which I was just like, okay, unnecessary. And it also le- ended up leading to a two-on-one where Vincent Trocek had like a million feet of room. And if you're the Rangers, I don't think you wanted to be leaving that guy open because he had a phenomenal game. Um, and uh, Vincent Trocek, you know, he he has come on these last few games, and I'm hoping we get that kind of uh, performance out of him throughout the playoffs. That's going to be a major impact. He is such a special player when he is on his game, and I think that he's finally, he's gotten his warm-up games in, he's gotten this rest time, he's, he's you know, 100% ready to go, he knows the system, he had time to review film and all that, and he, he played great. Um, so, there you go. Uh, getting back to kind of the game summary, I guess, I'm jumping all over the place, but that's the theme of the show, really. You know, if you've been here, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. This is how we do it. If you don't like it, respect it but maybe not the show for you. So, um, But also keep listening. It might not be the show for you, but listen anyway is what I'm saying. Um, which, you know, just just be a good person is really what that's about. Uh, <laughs> the second goal, the Rangers scored late. Um, not a great development for the Hurricanes. Shorthanded goal for the Rangers. Uh, just poor puck management and um, a little too aggressive when they didn't need to be. It was at the end of the game. Like, you didn't need to... You didn't need to cheat to score. Like, you just move the puck around like normal, make good decisions, and if you score, you score. If not, there's like a minute left, and you're up two. I think you're good. (laughs) So uh, the Rangers get the puck in. Puck goes back to the point for Mark Stahl. Gets the shot off. It nicks uh, Nino Niederreiter's knee, it looks like, and kind of slightly changes direction on Peter Mrazek. 
you know, I, at first I thought that it was a soft goal from Rosic. Then I saw the, the redirection, and um, the only thing I would say is he he made himself a little small. I mean, he exploded out to the top of the crease to make the save, but he, he, he went down, and, you know, it's it was a good move for him to attack with that blocker. That's what you want to do, but um, really aggressive move. And as you heard Brian Boucher uh, mention a few times, if you if you listen to the NBC broadcast, that's the way to beat Peter Morozik is to t- capitalize on his aggressiveness. He comes out really far on those chances, so if the puck can change directions and you can make it go around him at all, that's what's going to score. And he explodes out with that blocker, leaving kind of that uh, area under the arm exposed. The puck changes direction slightly, misses the blocker, and into a wide open net. So not much you can do there except um, you know better puck management on the power play. But no harm, no foul. Canes still get the victory. 3-2 win. Uh Huge to win game one in a five-game series. Obviously, I'm sure you've seen the myriad of historical data that you know NHL Network and everyone else has, has put out and expressed that like over 80% of teams that win game one in a five-game series typically win the series. Um, so it's not time to get cocky if you're the Hurricanes, but um, it's just a, it's a huge deal to win that first game, and they came out with the intensity to do it. Um, so great, great performance. And if we're talking about guys who stood out to me, the most, um, Sebastian Ajo, obviously, uh, you need him to be a great player. I think that you're seeing him 100% healthy this kind of postseason, unlike last year when he was obviously nursing something. You know, he was still good at times and, and, and just fine getting by at others, but you needed dynamic, um, playmaking, elite Sebastian Ajo, especially to beat the Boston Bruins, and I think that that's a huge reason, excuse me, why um, the Hurricanes weren't able to do a whole lot in that series was one because of Tuukka Rask was outstanding, like played out of his mind, um, and it should have been a closer series than it was, and he kind of stole the show. But the other thing was that first line for the Hurricanes wasn't able to match the first line of the Bruins, and I think it's because Sebastian Ajo and potentially even Tavo Teravainen were nursing little injuries from you know a postseason that obviously starts right after a grueling 82-game season where the Canes had to play at that level of intensity for a while, so that tends to happen. This year, obviously, it's like starting a new season, um, and you saw how hot he started this regular season, if you can remember back to those days when that was going on. And um, it's great to see him, you know, golden assist. He was he was an elite player in this game. Uh, Tavo Teravainen looked good. Svechnikov looked good. Uh, as I said, Vincent Trocek, I thought, was the Canes' best player. That, that move he had where he came down, made a little toe drag, and then goes backhand, and he, he pops a backhand, and it goes right off the crossbar, but he had Lundqvist beat. If that would have went in, my, my friend texted me and said, if that, if that backhand would have gone in, I would have jumped off the balcony. And I was like, yes, I, I agree. That would have been so hype. I think uh, right when that happened, I was like, oh! And uh, someone was delivering a package right outside my door at the exact moment when that happened. They are probably like, okay, what's going on in there? Um... But you know that's what playoff hockey's all about. I thought that uh, I thought that Morgan Geeky held his own again as he has. So you know, wouldn't be surprised if if he's back, especially being a center. You don't really have anybody to replace him. I don't. I don't think. I mean, you, if you slide to Zinglin, you got to move Martinuk to center probably. And uh, I just like Geeky as their right-handed center, and he's he's done his role just fine. I think that fourth line in general, I love it. Uh, I love Geeky again, Martinuk. I think it does exactly what they need that line to do in in this type of series um and you know they didn't get a chance to utilize him the way you would ideally like to because there was very little five on five play in the grand scheme of things in this game but uh you know that's what it is um i thought that 
The defense uh, fared pretty well. Like I said, they they limited really until spots of the third period where the Rangers started to come on and, and you know have a little bit of sustained pressure. The Hurricanes definitely controlled the flow of play for the large majority of that game. And, um, you know, like I said, a lot of it being so special teams oriented, the penalty kill was fantastic. Um, I thought that Hayden Flurry was really good, um, has been earning his his spot in the lineup. Um, an interesting decision to me to, to uh, scratch TVR as a righty and go with five lefties uh, and the lone righty being Sammy Votnin. But um, I don't know that it was a poor choice by any means. I, I, I liked the D out there. Um, I thought that pretty much everyone held their own. I thought Jake Gardner played well. You know, he didn't get a, a ton of time. He had that one timer that I still to this moment don't know how it didn't go in. Um, but Lundqvist got over and, and kind of robbed him on that one. So he made an impact. Um, uh, I did think Vatnin was a little shaky at times in his own zone. But, you know, to be honest with you, I don't know that uh, playing constantly against other teams' top lines is something that he's ultra well suited for just um, like he's a great player but he's he's an offensive guy um so you know defense isn't his forte to that level so very much like you saw Dougie Hamilton have his struggles um during his first season with the Hurricanes but uh this year he was able to improve that so much so um you know maybe Vatanen settles into it I think he did but there was a few times where I noticed he was a little shaky getting pucks out or uh, turned it over in his own end, and you can't have that. But then you saw other times where he just took control and, and willed the puck out of the zone with his skating ability. I think that's where you'll see, that's where his strength is, to get the puck out. He can skate that puck out. He's a great skater. Um, you know, he's got wheels, and he's got that shot. Uh, those are his Those are his big uh, um, attributes that, that help the team so much. Um, in the defensive end, you know, you just need him to get by, really. And that's what he did. I thought he played fine. <laughs> Um, I thought that uh, Jacob Slavin was was Jacob Slavin. You know that first goal is obviously phenomenal. You love that. A bonus anytime you get that from Slavin. Um, I thought that Flurry played great. I thought that uh, Gardner was good. I thought that Brady Shea played a really good game. Obviously the big hit, but um, you know didn't really notice any glaring mistakes from Shea. He's got wheels too. He's another guy just like I mentioned with Botnin that can just wheel that puck out of the zone with his skating ability. So you love to see guys that can do that. I think the Hurricanes have just become such a mobile team. Um, and it's great to see. I thought that, like I said, I didn't think Peter Morozik had to make any saves that I wouldn't consider routine, you know. Um, I, I I can't remember at this moment every single save that he made in that game, but uh, none really stood out to me as, like, he needed to make a high re- highlight real save. So obviously that's no knock on Peter. Like, that's your defense doing what they should be doing. Um, and I didn't see any goals that... I would say, oh, Peters has to have that. So, um, you know, a good a good game from him. And like I said, you'll probably see a mixture of uh, both goalies here coming up this week as this is released, being just about the schedule and, um, you know, keeping both guys fresh and, and getting them both in the action too. I mean, I know that this game, this series is, is, uh, is what you need to get into the real playoffs, you know, this being just a qualifier. But um, when you do... You are playing, I mean, this is no disrespect to the Rangers. This just is what it is. Like, the Rangers are a team outside of a, of a playoff spot as the season ended. Um, and trust me, I get the argument of that's the whole reason we expanded it because they could have gotten in. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that if you, if you had to cut and just let in eight teams, the Rangers wouldn't be one of them. So when you're in the 16-team playoff, 
you can expect and should expect to play better teams than the Rangers. That is, unless you know some of these teams uh, squeak in from behind. But I don't know that the Canadians and the Rangers are crazy different, especially if Carey Price is playing well for the Canadians, like you saw him do in the game where they uh, beat Pittsburgh in overtime. But um, my point being that you want to get everybody on board for the the real playoffs if you can make it out of this series. Um, and it's not like you're hurting yourself by working in either goalie because they've both been fine. Uh, it's not like if you start Peter Morazic getting has a good game and then you go to James Reimer that you're like giving yourself a worse chance to win. I think that James Reimer's been good as well. Um, so getting them both into the action so that if you need to go to either one at any point during the playoffs is, is probably a smart decision. And I feel the same way about um, the defenseman. You, I'm sure you'll see TVR work his way in at some point. You know, I would probably take out a Joel Edmondson. If that's the case, I don't think that Hayden Fleury comes out at this point. He's just played too well. And he's he's provided a little bit of nastiness, which I think you love to see, um, you know, if you're, if you're anyone, if you're a fan, if you're a coach, if you're his teammate, uh, anyone but the opposition. Hayden Fleury has that nastiness in him. I said this a few times when I watched him in play in Charlotte. Um, he plays with this kind of enforcer-like mentality almost. You know, he's a guy getting in scrums after the And then in the NHL, he never really uh, did that too much. And now you're starting to see it come out a little bit, and I think that that's great. Um, you know, he does have a good shot. He does have the ability to push guys around, um, and he's not a small frame. So you want to see that. Like, use your strengths, young one. And he has been. And uh, it's been great to see. I, I've been very impressed with Hayden Flurry really for the last, you know, eight to ten games uh, that the Hurricanes have played going back to March and, and February. So um, good development there. I think he stays in. Um, really don't think anybody but uh, Edmondson will and TVR will be kind of rotating if if anyone rotates those are the guys I think uh but at the same time I do like the physicality that Edmondson brings I think that you need that um so but it's also great to have that in guys like Brady Shea who's obviously shown kind of similar to a Justin Falk type player that uh he's fine throwing his weight around so you'd love to see that as well and uh that is it that is that is how the team played um Again, crazy game. Exciting to win game one. Hopeful for uh, some good stuff here in this next week. And uh, on next Monday, we're going to hear a whole lot more um, about what's going on with this series because a lot will have happened. I'll be in North Carolina actually um, this coming Thursday through Sunday. So uh, an opportunity to, to get with some friends and enjoy the kind of Raleigh vibes of the team, which is great during this time of year. Uh, before we go... Uh, you can always text the show, 912-289-7882. You can text, you can call, leave a voicemail. Um, I'll share it on air. Um, got a text here. This is from Jenny. Uh, I asked, you know, what you, what'd you think about the Hurricanes' performance today? She said, I like that the Hurricanes came out with a purpose and played their game right away. They had the resiliency to win, and it was entertaining. It definitely was entertaining. I agree with that. Um, they did come out with a purpose for sure. You have to, you know, in that game one, it's it's which team comes out more prepared. And, and I think the NBC guys mentioned this. Uh, maybe it was Anson Carter um, who mentioned this in the studio that her, the Hurricanes looked like a team who had been there, done that. Uh, and the Rangers looked like a team that, uh, you know, not all of them were used to that kind of vibe. So the Hurricanes, that playoff uh, experience last season, there's no substitute for that. It's very valuable. And uh, I think that it helped them a lot. You know, just get going right away. They learned that. They learned that in that Washington series that you can't, you know, I think that game three, when they came home for the first time, that's when they really 
started clicking. Like we we go from the puck drop and we are full intensity the whole way through. Um, and it was it was just you needed it. It was fantastic. Um, uh, aside from that, yeah, it was it was very entertaining. And um, the Rangers the Rangers kind of were a bit timid at first. I would say um, kind of feeling things out. And uh, I mean, the Hurricanes are just a better team. Like, I don't mean that as any disrespect for the to the Rangers. They're a really good team, especially with Chris Kreider back. Uh, it's unfortunate, you know, if Jesper Foss isn't able to play, and it's unfortunate for them if Shesterkin isn't an option in net. Uh, even though Hank has amazing stats against the Hurricanes, so I don't know that I would go to anybody else. But um, you know, it is uh, it is unfortunate to have any sort of injuries. But the Hurricanes have a pretty important player that hasn't been able to play yet as well. And we'll see what develops on that. Uh, Dougie might be coming back sooner than later. You might even know by the time you hear this that he's able to return at a certain date. Um, so fingers crossed on that. But thank you guys for listening uh, very much. Appreciate the audiences. Uh, please go follow at SS Kane's podcast on Twitter. Go follow me personally at Tompkins, T-O-M-P-K-I-N-Z underscore on Twitter and Instagram. Um, check out my new single Lucky on Spotify, Apple Music, all that jazz by searching Zach Tompkins. Um, appreciate any of the support. Uh, share the show, rate and review on iTunes. Definitely go do that. Uh, we're lacking in that department. I know that there's more people out there than there are ratings. So just go quick, tap a, tap a star, um, you know, say something if you want. We very much appreciate it. Um, and, uh, stay tuned to the Hockey Podcast Network, man. Big things happening. Thank you, guys. We'll be back next week.